Welcome to Broke Talk Podcast, where the mission is to help people recognize things that are broke and unabashedly talk about it. You can follow us on Instagram at Broke Talk Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Broke Talk Podcast. Today we have Ginger Berg, who is the mother of five children, two of which are adopted. We talk about her experience first fostering children and then adopting two of those children that she fostered. She is a math teacher, but she has also written a book and it's called My Patchwork Family. And I'm really excited for her to be here. We talk about the book writing process as well as the adoption process. You can check out and buy the book at mypatchworkfamilybook.com. All right, so let's get into it. Um, I have a teacher that actually adopted as well. So what prompted you to adopt? Because that's a huge decision. Yeah, so it actually started about eight years ago. I was at an ice cream social at my church, and one of the ladies there was sharing her story of how her family um, was adopting their third kid. And I just knew while she was talking that my husband and I were supposed to adopt and so um, I came home and I told my husband, I was like, I think we're supposed to adopt. But at that point, he was definitely like, no, I don't think so. Um, and so I just, you know, prayed about it. And I said, okay, if this is what we're supposed to do, you know, I need him to feel called the same way so that we're a team. Mm-hmm. And so it was about three or four months later that he actually came to me and said, you're right, you know, we are supposed to adopt. And so we started kind of looking at what that looks like and all the different kinds of adoption. Cause there's so many amazing, you know, beautiful ways to adopt, but um, we researched and talked to a bunch of people. And after um, about six months, we you know, came to the decision that we were supposed to foster with the possibility of adopting if the oh, kiddos nice. were eating that. Oh, awesome. So that's good. It gives the ch- uh, child a chance to be in your home and your children a chance to be, around the child as well yeah and it's there's such a need for foster families and so and not always do they need to be adopted you know sometimes they're able to go you know the the parents are able to do what they need to to take care of the kids which is always the the goal is always to hopefully be able to have the kiddos go back home with their parents but we knew that there was times where that's not possible and so we were open to adopting if it if they were needing to be adopted That's awesome. So how many kids did you foster? So we fostered six kids total. We've actually adopted two of those kids um, during, you know, during that time. Awesome. And so you have two foster kids and adopted kids. And how many of your own kids do you have? So we have three biological kids and then we have our two adopted kiddos. So we have five kids total. Oh my gosh, big family. I'm from a family of five too, and it's huge. <laughs> yeah, they- and I grew up with three siblings, so I had four kids in my family, and so did my husband. So I mean, yeah, five nowadays seems like a lot, but uh, we both had, you know, kind of bigger families comparatively, so. That's awesome. It's nice to be from a big family. You raise each other. Did you find that um, with your kids as well? Well, I do love the fact that they they really do interact differently. I feel like when you have a big family, like there's always someone to play with. I find that they get really bored when for some reason 
they are the the only kid like if the other kids are off doing something and they're the only one it's almost like they don't know how to function it's it's really interesting it's like I don't know how to function when I'm the only kid this is weird so, <laughs> dynamic for sure are they close in age um, so they range from 13 to 6, but we do have three middle schoolers right now. So we have an 8th grader, a 7th grader, and a 6th grader. So they're obviously oh. really close in age. Our adopted daughter is like right in the middle of my biological son and my oldest biological daughter. And then okay. um, my 4th grader, uh, my other biological daughter. And then my adopted son is in 1st grade. So relatively close, yeah. That's awesome. So what prompted you to adopt two kids? Was it uh, soon after you adopted one that you thought we need another one or just the foster children? So, well, we had, so we adopted our son and we actually took a break from fostering for a while because okay. we really wanted our, um, our son to have that permanency of the family staying the same for a while to help him understand because he was only two when we adopted him. And we had actually fostered another little guy for a year. Um, and he ended up uh, being adopted by his biological aunt and uncle. And he moved out just about a month before we finalized our adoption with our son. And so we kind of wanted to take some time so he could see that this family was permanent, you know, because he had had um, this other, you know, kiddo live with us for a year and then move out. And so, you know, there's that confusion of, of that, I think, especially when he's only two. Mm -hmm. And then um, it turned out that um, one of the kiddos we fostered when we first started, we found out that she was in need of a home again and that she mm -hmm. actually was in need of an adoptive home. And so when we found that out, we relicensed and brought her um, back to our house and then we fostered and adopted her at that, at that time. Oh my gosh. That's beautiful. Um, so would you recommend that people, you know, foster children or, and have that home open for them? So I feel like it's definitely something you need to feel strongly that that is your mm -hmm. calling. That's something you're supposed to do because it is, it's very hard, but it's very rewarding. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like other things like, I guess I think of teaching like that too. Like you have to really feel, in my opinion, like called to teaching because it's so hard, but it's so rewarding. So if you know that's what you're supposed to do, it helps you get through some of those really hard times. And I feel the same way with foster care. Like if you're just like, well, maybe I'll try it. I don't know. It's <laughs> so hard when things get really tough to oh. push through that. If you're not like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, I know it's hard and I know my heart is breaking, but I know this is what I'm supposed to do. So, I mean, I definitely don't want to tell anyone not to do it, but I, I feel like you need to be, and especially if you're married or in any sort of like, you know, a re household where there's a bunch of you in there, you all have to kind of be on the same page. Like if you have older kids, like making sure they're on board too, because it is definitely a whole family um mm -hmm. it's a whole family thing for it to be successful there can't just be like one person that wants to do it nobody else wants to I don't feel like it's yeah. gonna be a healthy successful home for those kids if you're not all on board and ready to go that makes sense um was the I I've heard the adoption process is very cumbersome and it's it's hard difficult um was it easier because you fostered the child Maybe, but it's still very, uh, very involved. I think some parts of it are easier 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but we still have to, you know, do the case study. You know, we still have to fill out what feels like 500 forms. I mean, I don't know for sure how many, but it's every time oh you think God. you might have it. They're like, oh, yeah, you need to do this one now. And you're like, oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, we had to write, like, a 20-page paper about ourselves answering, like, all these questions about our family of origin and our relationship. Oh, wow. And it's very much, I mean, like, you have no privacy I feel like when you adopt, like people know like everything and like they mm. can ask you everything. I don't know. It's like, it's very much, it's just a weird feeling. It's kind of like, you know, I'm a pretty open person anyways, but <laughs> it's just really weird. It's like, I don't know why my parents' marriage and how that is has anything to do with me adopting, but somehow I have to talk about that. Like, it's just kind of weird. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I would rather have someone fill the, all this uh, application out and uh, prevent the child from going to a bad home. So it makes sense, but yeah. So that's awesome. Um, so what are the differences that you see, you know, your biological kid versus adopted in terms of, I've always heard that when I become a mom, you find, you know, re- new relationships with your mom. Because you realize how it was for her. So, you know, with an adopted child, do you, do you have realizations uh, anyways, regardless? Um, I do have to, first of all, I do have to agree. As soon as I started having um, children, I had so much more respect and understanding <laughs> and treasured my mom so much more. Um, but I would say the biggest difference is just um, the my kiddos were through, went through a lot of trauma before they came to us. And so I think the biggest difference in parenting them is helping them navigate those trauma responses that they have because of the trauma they went through. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, as humans, we all go through certain traumas that, um, you know, can shape us and change how we interact with the world. But Um, kiddos from foster care, especially if they're older, they've gone through some pretty substantial trauma and it can take a long time to help them be able to even recognize what things kind of trigger that response. It's like a fight or flight. I don't know how else to explain it. Like in the moment, there's no logic. They're not meaning to stay and do the stuff they're doing. It's just like this cornered animal. And it it can happen kind of out of nowhere, like if you don't know kind of what's going to trigger them. So as far as like that maternal feeling, I've been really lucky that I've had that for all of my kiddos, um, which also makes it super hard when they move out, but it makes it easier uh-huh here to be able to give them that love and stability in that relationship. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest difference mothering them is just helping them through some of those unique challenges that, that they have to face and overcome. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, I have trauma and a lot of my siblings have trauma because we were raised with the same parents, um, and in the same environment. So it's good for, you know, the kids that you did adopt because now they have, you know, role models that haven't gone through trauma. So they know what is the appropriate way to act. Cause I think we all kind of feed off of each other, unfortunately. Oh, for sure. And like helping her break out of some of those, um, habits and scripts that she used for so long, especially, um, 
I talk a lot with she because my older daughter was older when we adopted her. So Mm -hmm. she had been through a lot more trauma and remembers a lot more trauma than my son does Mm -hmm. because he was so young when we adopted him. So she's definitely the one that we help. We've had to help her break some of those, those habits, those scripts, I guess, where you just have always done it that way. When you're cornered, you just always lash out this way and helping her to find better ways to communicate, to get through that trauma. And it's been a long process, but I've been so proud of how much she's, she's grown and how much she's learned. And, um, and it's taken a long time for her to, I think, be able to trust us even, you know, after adoption, just that trust of they're really here for the long haul. They're really going to love me no matter what. And, you know, that I think will always help the healing when you know that you're wanted and valued that will always make it easier to heal in that situation mm-hmm. you just have to remind them mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's the when they do mess up how you react is almost more important than anything else um mm-hmm. how you help them reconcile back and you know mend those relationships that they hurt during their you know response and stuff like that to understand that you did hurt us. You did, you did hurt the relationship, but we can recover. Like when a, I don't have to say it so much anymore, but for a long time, I would have to say, this is recoverable. Like what you did is recoverable. You can recover. Like you haven't gone too far, you know, like you have to think yeah. sometimes remind them that it's not, it's not too far. Like, yes, you messed up, but we, you know, we can recover. It's going to be okay. So. Wow. Um, so I recently watched a show and it was about a mom who, uh, adopted a son and the son grew older and he now is looking for his foster parents. Would you, you know, not, would you be okay with your children looking for their foster children? Is that something you'd recommend for them? Because uh, I mean, if that's something that they want to do is to find people from their past, I would recommend that they have someone they trust help them through that just Mm -hmm. because I'm so, you know, you want to protect your kids and you want to make sure that they don't end up getting taken advantage of or something like that. So I would never say don't, Mm -hmm. don't seek them out, but maybe do it in a way where you're having someone, whether it's us or your therapist or, you know, someone you trust help you so that they can make sure you're being safe. Uh, You know what I mean? And taking care of yourself and not, being taken advantage or things like that. But I never think it's bad, you know, to seek more information about your past, as long as you're just being wise um, in, about it. I think that's, I think that's good. And I think it's normal to, to want to know more about your past. I think all of yeah. us, we love hearing stories about when we're little, you know, we love hearing stories about our like ancestors and things like that, like family trees. Like we all have that, I think, desire to know, you know, kind of like where we come from and like our history. So I think that's normal. Mm-hmm. And I think if you try to be like, no, like you should never look into that. Like it's, yeah. it's going to make them almost want it more and then feel like they need to be sneaky about it. And then, you know, it might, they might not be healthy on how they, how they seek that out. Very true. Yeah. It gives them closure. Mm-hmm. So that's something you can anticipate maybe. Um, yeah. So I don't have a great relationship with my mom and dad. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of cultural differences. Um, So I wanted to ask you this question of who do you think is your family? Because a lot of my teachers growing up were my parents. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think your family are those people that you feel safe and loved and treasured by. Um, I think it's the ones that like, when you think I want to go home, and I say that in quotes, like who you envision going home to, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, if you've had just like a, like, if you have a horrible experience with something and you're just like, I just want to go home, like, who is that? Like, who comes to mind? But I think it's mainly about the feeling accepted no matter what, love no matter what, you know, part of their group. I think that that is family. And like, I have some friends that, you know, like my kids call aunt and uncle because even uh, though they're not biological, you know, we live, we live actually quite a, far ways away from our you know families like our biological you know parents brothers sisters like we don't have anyone very close to us and so we have kind of made a community I call them my tribe of people Aww. around us that are really family but they're the ones that like you know we go to more often when we need stuff just because of even though I mean I have a great relationship with my family but they are the closest is like 15 hours away so oh it's not God. someone if I need something like right now, I can, I can call them. And so we have this other, you know, kind of community that's, that's like family. That's awesome. And being loved around people. And what that means is that you're not judged. You're, you can say whatever you want. You can even make them uncomfortable and hurt them a little bit and they'll still come back and still treat you wonderfully. Yeah. Well, and I think love also comes along with, like, if someone's doing something that's harmful to themselves or others, being able to mm. kindly tell them, like, hey, you, you really shouldn't do that. Like, I think love is having that freedom to be able to, to tell the other person that, you know, what you're doing is not, not cool. Like, that, that's hurtful. And, you know, you need, you need to really think about whether that's what you want to keep doing. But you know, being there for them, whether they necessarily agree with you or not. I mean, that, I think that's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. A lot of people don't have someone to love them in their life or see them for who they are and see their quirks and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So you're around kids all day. So you must love children and teaching young children. I do. And I, I love, I teach high school and I just love their, I don't know, they're just so unique and they're fun at their age. Like they are old enough that they have a sense of humor, but they're starting to understand where the lines are, you know, like I feel like in middle school, they're getting the sense of humor, but they don't have any idea of what boundaries are or what, you know, what's appropriate in different situations where by high school, they're starting to understand, they're starting to like, you can kind of do that like, okay, now it's an okay to time to goof off, but now it's time to be serious. Like we need to learn math. So like, <laughs> we need to, you know what I mean? And so yeah. trying to have, being able to balance the time where you can just, you know, talk and have fun, but then, okay, now it's time to learn. So yeah. I, do, I do love that. That's awesome. That's great that you're a math teacher too, because that's one thing that everyone needs in life. So if there's no black and white about math. <laughs> I, yeah, and I love math, and I love teaching mm. it, and I always tell my students, like, my goal is to get you to like math more when you leave my class than when you came in, so if you do that, then I feel like I've succeeded. Aww. Um, How long have you been teaching? Uh, so I've been teaching for, I think this is my 16th year. I started oh teaching in 2005, so I think, yeah, 
think that's my 16th year. It starts wow. to like, if you've been teaching for like 10 years, it kind of just all blurs together. <laughs> Do you ever notice like generational differences? Like groups of kids in the same age range? So to be honest, I think I noticed more of a difference in parents and their expectation oh. of the kids. Since I've taught, I feel like most kids are going to get away with exactly as much as you're going to let them get away with. Mm -hmm. They're going to figure out what you're willing to let them do. And that's, you know, you always have the kids that don't push the envelope, but then you have most of them that they're going to get away with exactly what you let them get away with. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I think I've noticed more of a difference on what the parents are willing to let their kids get away with. Oh, wow. More than I've noticed a difference in the kids themselves. And that's not overall at all. I mean, there's still, I mean, there's a lot of parents that still have that same, like, no, when you're at school, you're learning, you need to do your best, but there's, a, it's just very interesting. There's a, there's a whole group of parents that are just kind of like, oh, well, school's not that important. It's okay. And I'm just like, what? No, okay. <laughs> like, it's hard to get the students on board when the parents aren't on board. So. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, me and my siblings, my parents stressed education, but we were, you know, self-serving. We, we went to school, we did our own homework and all that jazz. So that's interesting. So, yeah, and I'm very competitive. So I wanted to be, you know, the best on everything. And so, yes, my parents were always like, you need to do well, but they didn't really have to push me. I pretty much pushed yeah. myself. I'm similar like that. Yeah, that's really interesting how some kids are like that. And then some kids need a little bit more guidance and push. Um, so you teach math and then you wrote a book called Patchwork Family. That's awesome. And I love the title and the pictures. Tell Thank me more you. about yeah. that. So um, when our oldest daughter came to live with us again, when she had moved back in, um, we wanted to do something so she felt, you know, like the permanency because we knew the adoption process was going to take probably a year to two years, even though that was the goal, that was the plan. That's just kind of how it, how it goes. So we did some family pictures together with her to make sure she knew like, Hey, you're in our family, you know, you're welcome. You're wanted. And I got the idea to do a little video where I did pictures of all the kids and I did a voiceover about how they're each like a patch and like we each bring, you know, unique things to the family. And after I did that, I was like, oh, wow, that would be kind of a cool little book to write. And originally, I was just planning for it to be for our family, like just, you know, mm -hmm. a little like family keepsake. Um, but as I got writing it, and I shared it with a few friends to proofread it, they really encouraged me like, no, this is something you you should really share, you should get this book kind of out there and share your story. Um, but at the time, I wasn't quite ready because, you know, as soon as you put something out there, people are able to like judge it, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't quite ready for my family to be like judged by strangers. Like mm -hmm. they could then have an opinion on how I did my family. And at that point, I was like, not quite ready for that. And so it took almost a year before I before I was like, you know what, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to share my story. And I'm ready to know that not everyone's going to understand or value mm -hmm. my family or our story. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't share it because there are people that maybe need to hear the story and need to know they're not the only family that's like that or just help their kids better understand 
you know, foster care and adoption so that when they encounter kids that are in foster care and adoption, they can be more, you know, kind and understanding and um, not be like, what are you talking about foster care? Like, that doesn't make sense. And so, so I decided it was time. And so I self-published, you know, my book and I'm super excited because it just came out in December and I love sharing our story. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Um, how was the book writing process? Did you did you have editors that would come back and edit all of your um, writing? Yeah, so I started off with, um, because I teach high school math, I have a lot of high school English teachers. So I started off having them edit it. Mm-hmm. And then once I was pretty confident with it, I got like a, I guess I'd call it like an independent editor, like not my friend, you can be totally harsh. And it was amazing because she had so many ideas I had never really thought of. And she didn't change the story at all, but she just refined it and tweaked oh. it to where I feel like it's a much better story. And so we went back and forth, I think it was four times. So I oh, sent wow. her, and she gave me ideas and I did them and then I sent it and we, and it was very much a dialogue. It wasn't just her like marking it up. It was her like, have you thought about doing this or have you like why did you include this like do you feel like it detracts from the story like it was it was really cool and then my illustrator is actually one of my friends who has an art degree and she knows our family so it was so cool having her do the illustrations because it wasn't just a stranger that i was sending pictures to it was like someone close to us yeah and so and of course there's a lot of back and forth on that too like what are you thinking for this page and then like this is what I have. Do you like it? Do you not? Like, what would you tweak? And Uh so it was a really fun process. And then I think the most stressful part was um, I wanted to get a really high quality book. And in order to do that, you have to order in bulk. And so it was a matter of, I needed to raise the money to be able to order Uh a thousand books so that I could get the quality at the price that I could, you know, hopefully do okay. And so I did a Kickstarter, which I was able to get fully funded, but that was probably the most stressful was like, I'm literally not just putting it out there to be judged, but I'm putting it out there and asking people to be supportive and to like actually financially support this project. And so, and I think that I was the most nervous and it was definitely stressful, but it was also where I just got to see like people from all over areas of my life and like friends, friends and, you know, friends, 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 like supporting. And so it was a really cool, it made me feel more confident moving forward. Like, Mm -hmm. no, this is a good story. This, you know, this is worth supporting this. I'm glad that I did this. And so, yeah. Did I answer your question? I feel like I rambled. (laughs) Yeah. No, you did. That's great. That's a wonderful. Yeah, it is definitely hard asking people for money and financial support. But that's great that they, you know, turn around and gave you that support. Mm-hmm. It's also good that you are able to enjoy this process with your friend. You know, this is both of your books. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was her fi- first time illustrating a book. And, oh. you know, my first time writing it. So we yeah. got to like together and... You know, I've already started um, writing the second book with my adopted daughter to tell like, so my first book is from my oldest biological son's perspective to Mm -hmm. kind of show the viewpoint of a 
a biological kid in a home that chooses to foster and adopt and like what that's like mm. and you know the sorrow when the kids move away but the joy you know when we're able to adopt and you know have someone forever in our family and just what that looks like but then the second one's actually from my oldest biological daughter's viewpoint of one who was in foster care a lot and mm -hmm. separated from her biological family and so to me it was super important for her to decide what part of her story she wanted to share because I feel that it's not my place to share those kind of details of her story. That's like hers to decide what she wants to share. So she helped, you know, I'd ask her like, okay, do you want me to include this aspect? And if so, like, how do you want me to include it to be really respectful of, of her story. And so I'm already talking to my friend to be like, Hey, yeah. The illustrations were very uh, different and beautiful. So this just opens doors for her. So that's mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think your your kids are going to turn out awesome when they're adults. They have such a unique perspective, not only with the foster children, but you pursuing your dreams and writing this book. So I can't wait to see how so. they turn out. Yeah, that's so awesome. So how yeah, have my goal is to that when they feel called to something that they go for it, that, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, we're, when I feel like God's calling me to something I want to be like, okay, I'll figure it out later how I'm going to do that. And that's what I want to model for my kids. Like, you don't want to be, you know, like reckless, but you, you know, don't want to just live for yourself. And I think that's really important and what I try to mm -hmm. model for them. Nice. How did you know that God was calling you to do something? Cause I don't know one app if I've known. <laughs> well, and I think it's a matter of like when you feel like those, I don't know how to explain it. It's almost like a fire in my pit. And like, when I feel like I'm supposed to maybe do something like doing the little things. And then I feel like I can start to hear it sooner. I don't know if that makes sense. Like the more I listen to those small ways, God's calling me, then I can hear him calling me in bigger ways. So like if sometimes I'll just be sitting in bed and I'll be like, I think I'm supposed to text my friend that like maybe I haven't texted in like a few weeks. Like I have no yeah. reason other than I feel like I'm supposed to text her. And so I do. And then she'll be like, oh, my goodness, I'm having such a bad day. I needed you to text Aww. me. And so I feel like, you know, when I listen to God in the little things, it helps me to be more open to hearing his word in the big things. So I don't know if that helped you or not. Mm -hmm. But and I think it's very every person probably has a little bit different way like for me it's like something that I'm not thinking about at all and all of a sudden I just am like I'm supposed to do this that's how I know that it's not me trying to plan it or me trying to like make it happen um so but I know other people that you know they it's like a fire in their pit like their their stomach and like that's all they can think about and like you know that kind of stuff so yeah oh that's awesome yeah, God works in mysterious ways. So sure. beautiful. That's super helpful. So how has the feedback been for your book, both uh, your friends and your children and strangers? Uh, so far, it's been really positive. I'm waiting for that first horrible review. Oh, no. And that's when everyone says that you're officially an author when you get that like one star review. So, <laughs> so far I haven't gotten it, but I know it's coming. Mm -hmm. um, no, everyone has been really amazing about, um, they just, they, they understand like the, 
the purpose is to share our story and to encourage others to think about it. Or if you don't foster, at least think about how can you explain to your kids about foster care or how can you support mm -hmm. families that foster, you know, and just, you know, making sure that kiddos that are, you know, in foster care don't feel alone, like giving them a story that's like, oh, this is like me, you know, because I think that's super important to, mm -hmm. to be able to be like, this book is like, is like our family or it's like, like we are. So yeah. And then like you said, they won't feel alone. They'll have a family that's not even uh, that they don't even know about in that book. They mm -hmm. know another kid, there's another kid out there and another family that went through what I did. Yeah, and I and I have my, you know, the email address for my book in there. And, you know, I really hope oh. that people that feel like they need a support are willing to, you know, can email me and maybe I can be that support to them. Like, I've already had one person that's like, hey, I'm thinking about foster care. Like, what, what should I do? And I'm like, well, I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you, like, make sure you surround yourself with people that are going to encourage you if you do do that. You know, like, I can give you hints, but I can't tell you whether or not you are supposed to foster. Like, that's... That's one of those, like, I can't make that call for you. Yeah, you definitely don't want to. <laughs> yeah, well, great. I am going to have to check out your book and share it with my family. So thank you so much for being here and, you know, putting your words and your thoughts out there for everyone to see. Thank you so much for having me. It, it means so much to be able to tell our story and, um, I've just been so impressed with just how encouraging and supportive everyone's been. It's been really amazing. Yeah, especially in this like political and time of tension. It's good to see that there's a lot of people that are uh, not speaking out, but they have so much light. Mm -hmm. Yay. Yeah. Well, thank you.